Yeah, this is the time that we all been waiting on. The moment all the naysayers been hating on. See, they've been talking down on us and flexing. It'll take more than that for you to stop a Houston Texan. A lot of teams talking tough and can't back it up. But not the boys on Kirby, so you can pack it up. Reliant Stadium is where you can find us with the whole city of Houston, Texas standing behind us. And we've been waiting on this one for 10 years. Sacrificing our bodies with blood, sweat, and tears. But now we're focused and we're showing no fear. When we blast through the tunnel, you hear the crowd cheer. Deep steel, blue, rowdy red on the Liberty White. We came dressed up and ready to fight. We are the mighty Houston, Texas. And we don't play. So now I guess it's only one thing to say, baby. All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am young Ari Gold, and I am here as usual, joined by my co-host and friend, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. And John, we got the uh, we got the venue locked down for our opening game event. Oh, wow. I, I'm sure you sent me an email, and I just haven't read it. Uh, Put it in the Discord. Did you? Um, of course yeah, but, um, I also think I told you that, uh, Parker's birthday on Sunday, but, um, you did not, I would have remembered it then. I did. No, you didn't. But no, you didn't. It's okay. You were busy no, running you, after Jack. I get it. You said that, Never mind. I'm not going to argue about it. Um, anyways, so big announcement, uh, Texans unfiltered opening game event will be at Sigma Brewing, Brewing, Brewery in Houston, Texas, or in Houston, Texas, for the Houston Texans on September 9th. Uh, the event will start at 6 o'clock. Um, we have food being provided by Pitmaster Barbecue, which is my favorite barbecue place in Houston. Technically, it's in the Woodlands. Um, but he will be bringing food for up to 100 people. Luckily, the venue can only hold up to 100 people. Technically, it can hold a little bit more on the patio, but... Um, so food will be brought to us by Pitmaster. Uh, Sigma Brewery is going to be sponsoring the event and hosting us. So I am getting the flyer done now. Uh, once that is done, I will have a, I will post the registration link, and you guys can go register. So um, Sigma will be doing a dollar off um, beer that night for us, um, and it should be a really good time. John and I are coming down Austin for this event. We're really excited. Um, really look forward to meeting a lot of our listeners, as most of you guys are based out of Houston. So I try to keep it as central as possible. So this should be um, pretty easy for everybody to get to. So if you are a fan of Texans Unfiltered and you are in the Houston area, or if you are a fan of Texans Unfiltered and you are not in the Houston area and you want to fly in for this event, feel free to do so. That would be awesome as well. I know there are a couple people in the Discord talking about doing it. So um, but yeah, John, lock down the event, lock down the venue, lock down the food. Um, wow. Good, good that, to go. That actually sounds like it'd be pretty awesome. Uh, we'll make sure to put out things on Facebook and so forth and Twitter. Hopefully get some more followers out of it. And I mean, feeding 100 people, that's that's pretty impressive. For a barbecue place, that's very impressive. Yeah. That's not cheap food. Yeah, that's like a thousand dollars. That's a lot. No, that's more. Wow. Yeah, that's one. Yeah. So it's great. And uh, luckily, Pitmaster is very cool. The owner's awesome. Um, I used to talk to him when I went in there. So um, we wanted to make sure that we did this event at a 
local Houston brewery wanted to do it at didn't want to do it at a main chain restaurant. Wanted to give some local businesses um, some shine as well, so they'll get some promotion out of us for the next six weeks, and Pitmaster will as well. So, um, if you guys are in the Woodlands and you guys have not been to Pitmaster on Rayford Sawdust, uh, you're missing out on the best brisket I've ever had. Um, all right, John, this is gonna be a long night, long podcast, because we are cramming in the final four positions into one episode so we could take a week off next week. Well, we still or, have tight ends well, and quarterbacks, so we'll have to, yeah. Oh, tight ends. Is there really a breakdown of the quarterbacks needed? Well, it's, uh, we'll, we'll return to the days of being the Watson okay. cast because um, that arguably yeah. will probably be our most important podcast because Watson's our most important player. Most important player, I would agree. All right, so let's hop right in. Let's get into the defensive line position group. Oh, so we're going to do this as Evergreen. I thought you wanted to talk about Miss uh, Miss Stephanie's wonderful, wonderful article out there on Twitter. You know what, yeah, let's, let's, let's start with Steph Stradley's um, training camp preview. Because um, we shit a lot on Houston media because uh, there's about 90% of them that are awful. And then one person we tend to leave out more often than not is Steph. Um, and I think it's – I'm not sure why, uh, because she's been around forever, and she always has good stuff on the She's Texans. always really even kill, no matter which way it goes, um, good or bad. She's yep. a great follow on Twitter, um, like surpri- surprisingly so. Like, if you – a female – Sports follow that's mainly opinion, and she's she's she, she doesn't do gimmicks to get attention. Um, I, I'm not trying to trash anybody, and I don't want to, but she's very straightforward. Um, it's more of opinionated, and she's very very smart. She knows her stuff, and it's always in an even killed manner, never too high, never too low. Granted, this preview was kind of depressing. Yeah, I think the preview. You know, I don't think it was depressing. I think what it was was when it come when it came from Stephanie. I think it was more shocking just because she's not one to be on. I don't want to say the bashing train, but she's not one to really dive deep into Texans Twitter. Um, but she made it fun this time, and she also highlighted a lot of things that you know could go right. Um, it's a very very long article too. I mean. It, this is probably one of the longer articles I've seen about the Texans this entire offseason. Um, she really did her due diligence. Um, you know, a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, the MacGruber uh, analogy I thought was um, spot on. Yeah. Right? Because a lot of our complaints that we have with this team is the fact that we have the players, but we're never – we never put the players in a position to succeed, at least when it comes to, you know, let's just say Julian Davenport for last last year when we switched him from left to right and right to left and left to right and right to left, and he didn't do well, and he's never played there, and here we are hoping this guy can just get it, and then it takes three games for Bill O'Brien to basically say, oh, maybe we should just play him at Right, left. and the part where she really hit – the nail on the on the head. It was just talking about her article from last year could have been copy pasted and resubmitted this year. It is incredibly tough and it is incredibly frustrating to watch a team come into 
the second season in a row in a row where we know what the weaknesses are and they're pretty glaring. We knew last year that the offensive line was going to be scary. Guess what? This year, offensive line is going to be scary. Same sort of complaints. We took these high upside guys. If they all hit, and we are all praying that they hit, this team is going to be awesome. But what is the odds of all the high upside project players hitting? It's, it's not realistic to expect it. And then it's the same thing with the cornerback group. Uh, last year we knew corners were a weakness. What did we truly do to improve it? And it's probably a good segue to even talking to our cor- about our cornerbacks tonight. Um, we've spent – last year we spent more money on the cornerback position than any other team in the NFL. This year we are spending the second most money on the cornerback position as any team in the NFL. What do we truly have to show for it? And this may be why Brian Gain got fired. And Stephanie just hits on it, and it's like it could have almost been word for word from last year. And did we arguably, the players that we lost and we switched out, are they really better than the players? Do we really have better players this year versus last year? Yeah. And, I mean, some could say based on potential, maybe. Um, But until we see how they play in the season, we have no idea. So, I mean, there's bodies there. Um, there's a lot of them, but at the end of the day, you can only play a certain amount of corners every snap, and we need players that are going to be productive from the get-go. We we don't need players that are going to, you know, take eight weeks to, to develop. We need players that can play. Um, yeah, so I, I really thought Stephanie nailed the article. I thought she did a great job. She always does a great job, and we, we need to do a better job when we do mention the Pats and the Cody Stutes. Um, we, we need to also include Stephanie into that, um, that, uh, category as well. So, um, okay, real quick, before we also get into the D-line position, you see the, uh, you see the mention of JD, uh, teams doing their due diligence on JD right now. That's awesome, but he's, they're not trading him. They're not. I mean... Of course, everybody's we're gonna they're gonna see if there's anything out there. They're gonna see what the interest is. JD's probably very interested in what the interest is. But the simple truth of the matter is, if the Texans really have playoff aspirations this year, they are not trading him. We are in a different situation than the Raiders were last year. If winning is our goal this year, yep. then we're keeping him. If they trade Clowney, we are a worse team this year. No ifs, ands, or buts. Yep. Nope. And on top of that, you getting a pick or two back right now doesn't help this team. No. Um, it doesn't make us any better this year. So you're right. It, it goes back to, is this franchise ready to win this year? And Honestly, if they trade Clowney prior to for draft picks prior to the season starting, to me that says that they're not they're, they don't feel they're in a position to win this year. Because I don't see another reason for you to trade them. I mean, if if they were going to trade them this year, it would have been prior to the draft where they could have had the draft picks and they could have added players that could potentially help the team. They didn't do that. Not only that, a team would take a big risk trading for Clowney right now because he can't sign an extension until next offseason. 
not sure they could franchise tag him again. But I, I just, I don't know, it seems like an awfully high risk for a one-year, potential one-year rental on a guy. No, you're at... And like I said... Again... I just don't see... A draft there is absolutely no reason to trade him this year. There's nothing that can be gained by trading him this year that could not be gained by trading him before the draft next year. And one of the things that we have to remember about Clowney and this whole designation is it wasn't the Texans that decided he was a defensive end or an outside linebacker. It was the NFL. They create those designations. Right now the Texans are playing within the rules with him. Clowney's being a good soldier about it. He's not making a big stink about it. He just wants to get paid. He's not out there demanding that he has to get paid this amount of money or not this amount of money. And same with the Texans. Like, they're not – nobody's throwing him under the bus. There is something going on right now that none of us understand and may just be as simple as right now if you look at the Texans' budget, it is way, way out of whack. We are spending way more money on our defensive side of the ball than the off- offensive side of the ball. Um, like – we spend the least – we spend the 30th amount on the offensive side of the ball. Out of 30 teams – or out of 32 teams, we are number 30 on how much we spend on offense. Now, on defense, like I said, we spend the most. And that's probably – all the theories and everything we come come up with, that right there is probably the number one reason why Clowney has not been signed is – just they've got the budget out of whack. And how do you afford to budget Clowney and Watt and McKinney and Merciless and continue to waste money on our secondary that hopefully we'll get some return on, but, I mean, we really didn't last year. So what do you do? And the problem with not spending the money on Clowney, though, is instantly our defensive line is going to be a lot thinner. If you just take a look at this defense without Clowney, it's a whole lot thinner. So they've got to figure this out. Yeah, no, I agree. And even if the Bills are the team, since they were the team rumored last time, you know, Tredavious White is a good piece. Definitely a a nice piece to have in the secondary. But you're still creating a problem that you won't be able to fill on that defensive line by moving Clowney. Um, so I, I don't know. I just don't. I don't see him being moved now. Uh, it, it's just the timing doesn't make sense. Like I said, if their intention was to move him, and and typically when a team has the intention of doing something, they do it. So something tells me they don't want to. No, move I don't him. think they do. There, there's some. There's something else. There's something else going I on. I think that it may be a combination. Uh, maybe it is the scope. Maybe that's really. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe it's the scope. Maybe it's maybe it's they want to see him put together a full year where he plays all 16 games. Maybe they want to see his production go up. Maybe they want to – I mean, there's just so many moving pieces right now that everything is pure speculation at this point. Nobody's plugged in. Nobody knows. We've said that for years about this team. The things that most, pe- most teams have beat reporters on and know these types of situations, we don't have that. No, you're right, and that's the problem. We're all trying to take a guess. It's like right now, what's in front of you is we just know how much money has been spent on other positions, and we know how much cap room the Texans have, 
but we don't even know their philosophy on how they structure the, their cap. We don't know what their – we actually have no clue what their budget is, and we don't know what their philosophy is on this. We don't even – we don't have a GM that, like I said last week, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but a lot of the stuff about having a GM is you start to figure out their philosophy on team building, and we don't know what the Texans are. And we don't know if they have the desire to spend all that money on defense when they supposedly have an offensive-minded coach. Even though it's our defense that continuously gets us into the playoffs, our defense, because of the star players, does have extremely high upside. But do we really have an all-world, win-us-the-Super-Bowl defense, even though we are paying our defense like we do? No. Uh, All right. Let's get to – so before we get on to the D-line, there's also other news. Um, Taylor Luan suspended four games for uh, – He's a Reuter. <laughs> I guess he's a Reuter. Uh, so it turns out that Saturdays aren't just for the boys, but they're also for the supplements. So uh, Taylor Luan is going to be missing the first four weeks of the season, unfortunately. I mean, uh, have you not ever seen a video of Taylor Luan? That's not surprising. He's about as obvious. No, I he's as obvious as Kush was. Let's let's be serious. Oh, wow! Well, straight to the Kush. Well, either way, uh, poor Mariota. He was probably hoping this was the season where he got to play for 16 games. He thought it was like, all right, we've gotten better. We've got weapons. I have a decent offensive line. I have great bookend tackles. God, now. One of the best tackles in the game is out for four weeks, so I'm gonna I'm probably gonna be out week one. Oh well, sorry Titan fans, sucks to be you. Uh, it sounds like Ryan Tannehill music to me. All right, let's get to this D line. All right, so the defensive line position group review. Um, I guess we'll start with the with the big names. So let's go with JJ Watt. We all know what we have in J.J. Watt. I also, I guess, I need to uh, formally apologize for some of the things I said about J.J. last week. Uh, I, I tend to, uh, I, I guess I pissed some people off about my um, rant about J.J. Look, I love J.J. Watt. I think he's the best football player I'll probably ever see in my lifetime. There's a chance that Deshaun surpasses that for me, but J.J. is just an All-American badass. He's everything that you want. In a player, he's everything you want on a defensive lineman. I just don't like the fact that he gets more push than every single other person in this team, on this team. Like DeAndre Hopkins just got a 99 overall player on Madden. Like, and when you saw the other three players that got that rating, like other teams were just pushing that down their fan base's throat. And yet you saw like a single tweet about it from the Houston Texans. And DeAndre Hopkins is a civil, like, he, he's a great person, or at least he comes off that way. Why is he not getting it, you know? Um, so I apologize for my J.J. Watt slander. Uh, I do stand by um, my stance that I would not want to sign him to a long-term $100 million extension again in two years, but uh, maybe he'll prove me wrong in the next two years. But J.J. Watt last year did not necessarily return to form, even though that seems to be the narrative. Um, he definitely turned, went back to being an all-pro defensive end. 16 sacks, um, was destructive on the offensive line. Don't forget seven um, forced fumbles. Disappeared. Seven forced fumbles. That's, um, that's pretty good. And 
<laughs> no, that's great. That's great. Um, he also disappeared in some games, by the way. Um, he wasn't the game record that he was previous to his injuries, but this was his first season back. So there are still chances that he gets back to form. And if anything, last year showed us that there's a good chance that he could potentially get back to it. Yeah, and you've also got to remember a little bit of, on J.J. First off, it is St. J.J. Like, let's let's just be for real here. St. J.J., he can do no wrong in Houston. And they're going to do everything they can to make sure that he never leaves the Texans, which is, again, absolutely understandable. J.J. is a phenomenal player. He's a phenomenal guy. He's probably the best defensive player of all time. And I am not saying that as a homer. However, we also got to remember things about J.J. currently. He has been through some crazy injuries, two season-ending injuries, and that is going to change him. With J.J., one of the things you also have to remember with him is for a defensive end and a 3-4 scheme, he doesn't play defensive end. He lines up as a defensive end, but he doesn't share the responsibility that defensive ends typically do. Um, he's not going to two-gap. He's not going to take on two blockers and try and free up the outside linebackers to do their job. J.J. is going to do the job of an outside linebacker. He's going to do the job of a more traditional 4-3 defensive end. And, you know, honestly, he would probably be an excellent, excellent 4-3 tackle, um, just attacking from the interior, an interior defensive lineman. And because he shoots gaps, he attacks the holes. That's what he does, and he does it better than any player that you'll ever probably see, that you'll probably ever see. That was his gift. He could read the offense. He knew when to attack, and he was able to be crazy aggressive and finish the play pretty consistently. One of the first things that we noticed, though, when he came back from that injury was a lot of his rust was when to be aggressive and when not to be aggressive. So I honestly think that he's going to age better than most players that that do go through the injuries that he does um, because his game is tech part of its technique part of it is just having that that feel for the game to know when to be when to be overly aggressive and the Texans will probably continue to scheme their defense around allowing him to be aggressive have those guys that are going to stay conservative behind him to cover for him so, you know, J.J.'s a great player. What can we say? I, I, that's probably – I probably said more than was actually necessary on him. No, he's a great player. He's, he's one of the greatest players of all time. Um, I, I hope that he turns into what, you know, the defensive player of the year that he was and uh, gets some of that instinct back. Uh, but he also benefits from having Connie on the other side as well. Um, so that's how he's able to line up in the situations he lines up in and have the matchups that he has. Take away Jadavian Clowney, and all of a sudden everything's on J.J. Watt. So, um, But we don't have to worry about that for a year. So let's get to the rest of the defensive line. Um, but we'll stay with the defensive ends, and then we'll get to the nose tackles uh, or defensive tackles. Um, Jadavian Clowney, obviously, just an explosive beast that – 
changes. So we're going to agree Brown needs a, a defensive end? That's where he played most of his snaps. <laughs> I mean, if I'm, if, I'm, if, I'm, if, if I'm the one that's uh, uh, making the decision on the grievance, right. he's getting all that money. And just to reiterate, um, it's the NFL, not the Texans that decide. Um, right. And Clowney, I love Clowney. We all know I love Clowney. I have been yeah. banging his drum for a very long time. We got we got hate. Or the first hate we got wasn't even from me doubting Deshaun Watson. It was from me propping up Clowney. Like, Clowney is all. Clowney is the. And he's also the perfect foil for J.J. They cannot break the two of those up. Clowney doesn't mind doing the dirty work, and he does the dirty work better than maybe any other player out there. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think that we need to spend too much time on J.D. because over this entire offseason, it's pretty much been what we've talked about. And then last week, we pretty much dedicated the entire episode to J.D., so – I think we all know what our thoughts are on J.D. and what he brings to the team. Um, so I don't want to necessarily skip over him, but we also will need to talk about him at the linebacker position as well. So um, I think we should move on to some of our other defense events. So Carlos Watkins, this will be his third year out of Clemson. Um, we haven't seen a ton, but we've seen some. Um, there's not a lot of flash. He's your traditional 3-4 defensive end. Uh, this will be the year that he has the opportunity to show what he's capable of doing. Uh, given the investment on draft picks, I would expect Carlos Watkins or his draft status where he was picked, I do expect uh, Carlos to make the team. Um, on top of that, it's really between him, Omenicu, Heath, and Blackson. And unfortunately, I think this will be the year that Heath gets the axe. But let's, I guess, stay on Carlos Watkins. I mean, he was great in college, um, played on a great defensive line, wasn't the wasn't the star of that defensive line, but he was definitely one of the major contributors on that defensive line at Clemson. Um, we are hoping that this is the year that he starts to take that next step and he can fill the void of Christian Covington. Let's see, Watkins, Which I think is yeah, Watkins has been a developmental player for the past two years. He was a, a sixth round pick, so his position is not guaranteed. Um, he is and probably the player most likely to replace Covington. Um, he's always been a little light, so the way he's built is his lower he's light on the lower section. He's got thin legs, is how they describe it. Even though his legs are probably thicker than I am round. Um, he only had one sack last year. He played four games. Um, we've got a lot of high expectations for him because he two years ago he actually looked pretty impressive. Last yep. year they just didn't play him. No, last year was Angelo Blackson a lot. Yeah. So I think with Carlos, this being his third year, this should be the year where he starts to take off. Um, hopefully we see the improvement needed. Um but I think he's shown enough to where he warrants a spot on this defensive line, uh, given the fact that there really isn't a lot of talent on the defensive line this year. Uh, with the loss of Covington, who was starting to come into his own, I don't want to say he was becoming like a world beater, but he was definitely playing his role extremely well and had his career year last year. Um, somebody's going to have to step up and fill that role. 
and it's either going to be Blackson, Watkins, or Amenahue. I think this is the year that Joel Heath gets let go. Really? I mean, he's just been around forever now. No, fair enough. Um, Brandon Dunn is probably is the next one I have on my list. Defense. Uh, nose tackle. He's defensive tackle, though. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to get to the edge, well, or the defensive ends first. I gotcha. Okay, um, so we've done Heath. Not much to say about Heath. He's a defensive end. Probably more of a run stopper. Undrafted Und- guy. Undra- undrafted. He played five games last year. The Texans re-upped him to only a one-year deal. So he's that guy. I, he's been on the team, on the practice squad. and it, I think this is fourth or fifth year, right? Let's see. Joel Heath. I don't I just Google it real quick. I believe so. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe that uh, Joel Heath, this is either fourth or fifth um, year. 2016, so third year. Yep. Oh, third year. Third okay. year out of Michigan State. Um, last year he had two tackles, no sacks. He is known pre- – I feel like we've been – We have heard his name for a long time. He is a defensive end. Um, in 2017, wasn't there like one sort of year, thing? like yeah, in 2017 he had wasn't a, he there had like one year training camp though where where he yeah, but he was like the training camp star in one one training camp. I can't remember if it was last year or the year that he came into the well, league, but there was a lot of build up. When we first him. picked him up, he was one of those priority free agents that everybody thought should be drafted. Um. Apparently, he received contract offers from four other teams. And 2017, he played more than he did in 2018. He's got 34 career tackles, and 24 of them were in 2017. Um, Three career sacks, two of those were in 2016, where he came in, and I think he had a two-sack game. Is that correct? And But he didn't do much else. So he came in, he had two quick sacks at the end of the year. We thought that he was going to turn into something. 2017, he played a little bit more. He was just fine. He got hurt. And then last year, not really. He didn't really do anything. Um, he was, he's, he lacks any – he has a lack of a pass rush technique, and he's not a dominant run stopper. But he does have great, great size. He's one of those guys that – you hope it would kind of click, but it's I'm probably not going to. Hasn't worked yet. I mean, 2017 was probably the high point with him, and unless there's a lot of injuries, we're not going to be seeing much of him. Uh, all right, let's move on to Angelo Blackson. Uh, spent his first two years with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, had two and a half sacks his rookie year. After that, was kind of just a guy. Um, had a sack for us last year. Um, Played in all, all 16 games. Uh, his total stat line finished at 24 combined tackles, um, one sack, and three pass deflections. So that's actually a three pass deflections is pretty good to see considering the position he plays, getting his hands up. Um, I think Angelo Blackson's the guy that the Texans really, really, really want to get going in this defensive line. Now, again, given the players that are on the defensive line, there's not a lot of talent on the defensive line outside of J.J. and J.D. 
and, and the nose tackles when, once we get to them. Um, we all know how we feel about TJ Reader, but um, Angelo Blackson, I mean, he's 319, 6'4". Um, he's entering his fifth season. This should be the year that if he's going to take the next step, this would have to be the year for him to do it. I haven't seen enough to say like Blackson is going to be a difference maker on this team or be able to fill the Covington role. I really think that that role is just completely up in the air. But at the end of the day, uh, I mean, what are who are we to say what he's capable of doing or not capable of doing? I just think that given the opportunity, it's between him, Watkins, and uh, Menihue to really get going this year. Yeah, and with Angelo Blackson, it's it's a follow the money type thing. They paid him three years of twelve million. I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty decent contract, especially for a guy that really hasn't done a whole lot. Last year, he had eighteen tackles, one sack. He did have the tip pass that led to the uh, Tyron Matthew interception. Um, but, I mean, really, what has he done? Because we all knew Tyron couldn't do it himself. <laughs> you and Tyron. Yeah, no, I agree. John, let's get into Charles Menhue, your breakdown of kind of who he is and what we're expecting from him this year. All right, so Charles Menhue is, of course, uh, he's a longhorn. We're here in Austin. I grew up going for the Longhorns, so I'm always a little bit more um, forgiving towards them as a player. He's he's an interesting guy. I don't know how else to put it. He's a pretty interesting guy. Is he, is he a tweener? Is he a hybrid? Some draft guys kind of think he's a tweener. Um, some draft reviews think that, you know, he's a hybrid, um, that he can do a lot of the same things that Clowney can. He's just not going to have the speed or the power of Clowney. So, I mean, honestly, how um, – James, I'm kind of asking you this. If somebody asked you or told you, hey, he can do the same thing Clowney can, he's just going to be not as strong and not as fast. Yeah, not Clowney. Can't yeah. do the same things Clowney does. <laughs> that automatically <laughs> means you can't what, do it. <laughs> that's what Clowney's built around. So if you even if you take one of those away from Clowney, he's nowhere near the player he was. Yeah. He, so, I mean, for example – Charles Manny, he was not Clowney. For example, Clowney ran a four four nine. Amenehu runs a four nine two. Yeah, big difference. Um, and uh, Amenehu didn't even test on the bench, and that was the area where everyone was gave Clowney such a hard time because he didn't have that many reps on the bench press. But again, it's it's one of those things. Like I want him to succeed, and I think that he'll be a great spot player. But I think this might also be like last year, where we're going to see him flash a little bit in the preseason. And we're going to think it like it's Duke Edgefor all over again. Like, oh, this guy can do it. This guy can do it. We can we can survive without Clowney. And then the regular season happens, and it's like, oh, no, never mind. Just kidding. Yeah, no, I mean, I think there's just – when it comes to late-round draft picks, it just takes time. And, sure, you can occasionally hit on those players, and they can produce right away. But um, it's just – it's, it's something that's more rare in the NFL than what people like to say it is. And I, I just don't – the clowny comparison is crazy to me because um, when you watch the tape, there's nothing that jumps off. I mean, Clowney's a, a freak of nature athletically. Um, I wouldn't say that's how I would describe Charles Amenehu. So, yeah, I mean, 
Charles in a, is, in, is in a position where he can show what he's capable of doing and make a name for himself on this defensive line. But just like the other three guys that we mentioned, I mean, the spot's up for grabs. So whoever wants to take that Covington spot, is it's theirs for the taking, but they're going to have to put in the work to show that they can do it. And we need a dependable guy that can line up on the opposite side of J.J. and be able to produce. And um, it's going to be either Amenhew, Watkins, Blackson, or Heath. And uh, based on the contract size of Blackson, it's looking like it's going to be more Blackson than anything else. So, um, all right, let's get to defensive tackles, nose tackles. There's really only – I mean, there's three to discuss, and we need to discuss Javier Edwards as he is a friend of our podcast. But – uh, DJ Reader is, in my opinion, a top five defensive tackle in this league. Uh, but because of the position he plays and what seems to be uh, a position that is not as valued as it once was, uh, he is able to take up two blockers, do his job, stop the run, collapse the pocket, and do everything that you want a nose tackle to do. But he's also capable of so much more, um, which he has shown. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a contract extension given to DJ Reader this training camp, to be honest with you, just because he means that much to this defense and we have the money to do it. I love DJ Reader. You love DJ Reader. Any Texans fan that knows anything about football loves DJ Reader. Um and he's going to be your starting defensive tackle. Now, the interesting part of the defensive tackle position is that Brandon Dunn last year came in and played uh, extremely well in spells when DJ did not – when DJ so was not – here's, here's a nice um, fun fact. When I here's say extremely nice well, I mean – about Dunn last year. He had the highest single-game single tackles by a nose tackle last year. He had 16 in right. one game. He was a beast. And then he got hurt. <laughs> so, and then he got hurt. Right. So, we can't have nice Brandon things. Dunn, we never have nice things. Was Brandon Dunn undrafted? Uh, yes. Yes. So, uh, Brandon's making a name for himself, and he's going to be the backup to DJ Reader. Now, the only thing that could change that is if our buddy from Colorado State, Javier Edwards, can come in and make a name for himself as well. Um, Javier's a big guy. Um, played a lot of defensive tackle in Colorado State. He has the opportunity to come in and, and potentially push Brandon for that position. Unfortunately, and as we always like to do on this podcast is keep it real, um, I, I unfortunately see Javier Edwards getting cut this season. And it has nothing to do with talent. It just has to do with the fact that DJ and Brandon are a very good twosome to have in that position. And I don't see them keeping three defensive tackles, especially given what we have on the defensive line right now. We're going to need another position for defensive end. And uh, I, I just think it's going to be a tough case. But you never know. Anything can happen. And if he comes in and kills it, which is what we want, um, fantastic. But it's just going to be very tough for him to be able to push Brandon Dunn off that spot. Because, like I said, outside of even the 16-tackle game, Brandon was really, really good for this team. I mean, a lot of people were talking about Brandon towards the end of the season. Um, I'm sorry. Six tackles, not 16. Six tackles. I was about to say. Jesus six tackles. Christ. Um, I've never seen the defensive tackle get 16 tackles. I was like, Jesus. Yeah, it was against Denver, and he was an absolute beast against them. 
But yeah, okay. Six is still great. Hey, my handwriting. But my like, my handwriting is crap. <laughs> see what I told you at the beginning of the episode? So, that handwriting is awesome. I know. I, I'm, I'm well aware of it. I was like, but that, that number didn't sound right. I was just going yeah. with it. I didn't want, I didn't want to argue with you because I was like, okay, 16 tackles. <laughs> that makes uh, sense. Uh, Either way, uh, Brandon was really good for us last year and he's a good depth player for us to keep. Um, he's been on the team for a while now. Uh, they tried to find a spot for him on defensive end. It didn't work last year. They decided to give him a shot at defensive tackle and it, it looks like he might have carved him out, uh, carved himself out a role on this defense. So, it is what it is. Um, all right. Before we finish up the defensive line, what are your projections for this position group as far as the names that we discussed today making the team? Well, I mean, it's going to be projected starters, Watt, Reader, Dunn, and Clowney. With Blackson and Amenahue, my guess is the uh, rotational guys. Uh, Watson or Watkins, I'm sorry. Um, Watkins, maybe he's flashed, but he didn't really show a lot last year, so maybe I hope so. Um, but yeah, that would be my guess. Watt, Reader, Dunn, Clowney, rotation of Blackson in the month, and go from there. Yeah, no, I would agree. Uh, let me ask you this, uh, with Mike Daniels being released, oh, yeah, yes, 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 yes. Oh, my god. <laughs> I tweeted it out earlier. I don't know if you saw the tweet, but he he basically is the drill. Yeah, the they can, they can go get him. Like, please, not just, flashy, not not, but just a great three four defense. He's player. one of those players that even if he's on the downside of his career, and with the flexibility that Houston has shown with the defensive fronts they play and switching from an attacking single gap to more of a more of a um. Collapse the pocket, two gapping style. Either way, he would he would work. I mean, he's better as a two gap type player, but yeah, he would be a phenomenal pickup. He would be a phenomenal pickup. I would agree 100. percent All right, John, I'm going to be honest here. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through the linebackers. No, I I understand. That's a long night. Yeah, I'm pretty much tapped. Kind of kind of can tell um, you're kind of lacking a little energy tonight. Yeah, no, I'm I'm exhausted. I was coming off being sick, but um, I think we save safeties and corners for next week. We'll combine the secondary, definitely. How about this? Okay, Why don't so we we'll touch do on secondary our linebackers because right they are pretty interesting. Uh, well, they're pretty interesting, but yeah, they're also pretty. That's clear the other thing. Like <laughs> we're going to talk about corners, and we talked a little bit about the beginning, and corners are just going to get get us frustrated. Again, a lot of high upside guys. Guys, yeah. That, I mean, there's a couple that you absolutely love, and there's a couple that, I mean, I have opinions on. Yeah. So what we'll do is we'll do linebackers right now, and then next week we'll do safety, cornerback, and tight ends because safety isn't going to take a lot of time either. Um, so let's get into the line. Well, I think maybe combine tight ends and quarterbacks for our last show because, yeah, the Watson cast crazy important, but the tight end should be a fun group to talk. Yeah. About. All right, we'll see. Um, all right. B- there you go. Y'all got a little bit of behind the scenes during a live podcast. Yeah. All right. <laughs> BMAC. Obviously, um, I think a, a top five linebacker in the league. I think he's extremely underappreciated um, on this defense for what he does. He's your down the hill, run stopping defensive 
or um, defensive end. God, I'm so out of it. I'm pulling it, John. Um, a uh, inside linebacker, the captain of the defense, has done a great job since he's been here. Got a nasty extension last year. Uh, he's also one of the better uh, blitzing inside linebackers in the league. Um, he made the Pro Bowl last year, so that they'll never be able to take that off, even though it was a five-way tie between uh, five other players. Either way, he still made the team. He was either All-Pro or Pro Bowl. One of those. I don't know. He got a Pro Bowl. He got a all, no. It's All-Pro. He got an All-Pro vote, and like four other linebackers also got one, so they all made All-Pro or something like that. I heard it on a um, Mad Radio, but um, yeah. I mean, I don't really know what to say about BMAC. I mean, he's he's not great in coverage, but he's he's, your, he's your guy that you want in the middle of your defense. He's your thumper. We ask him to do things. Two things. I'm sorry. We ask him. Yeah, we of course ask him to do things. But we ask him to do two things. Um, be the run thumper. Um, he is the third best inside linebacker at stopping the run. And we ask him to hit quarterbacks. And he is one of the best blitzing linebackers in the league. I mean, and he, that's why he made the Pro Bowl. He's not a coverage linebacker. He is an old school. I'm gonna. He's gonna stop the run and he's gonna hurt the quarterback. And the Texans have actually done a great job of roster construction around the strengths of their linebackers. This is as much grief as we give them about maybe some other choices on roster construction. They have hit a home run with the guys that they have in the linebacking. Their three top ones: Benedict McKinney, Zach Cunningham, and Dylan Cole, perfectly balance each other out. Perfect. And you can have a rotation with them, and you can play to play to the downs and be effective. I mean, if McKinney's in there on a passing down, he is just good enough at coverage for you're not entirely sure that he's going to block. You're hoping, or that you're hoping that he's not going to blitz. Um, but he is such a phenomenal blitzer, you can even know that it's coming. You you can't stop him. And then Cunningham, I guess we should move on to him next. Um, you're calling him Deion Jones. Um, he's not Deion Jones light. He is Deion Jones plus. He is a tougher version of uh, Deion Jones. Um, one of those few inside linebackers where when he come, came into the league, one of the knocks on him is he's too long and too fast. He's going to get hurt, and he's going to get stood up. He can hit. For a guy that is that long, he's an absolute thumper. So, and then on top of that, he is a good, he's a solid, very solid coverage inside linebacker, and I expect this year for him to take that next leap. Yeah, so that's where I was going to go. So, I mean, I, I, we've been a big Zach Cunningham fan since he was drafted um, out of Vanderbilt, I believe. Vanderbilt, you are yes. correct. Um, he is the perfect complement to Benardrick McKinney. Um, fast coverage linebacker that is not afraid of contact and will hit you in the mouth. Um, he, you know, a lot of Texans fans are worried about his, his coverage skills. Look, there's, there's some of those plays that happened when Zach was covering that there's just, there's not a linebacker that can cover those running backs and, and tight ends in the position where the ball was placed. I mean, when you look at the Naeem Hines, uh, touchdown or, um, whatever it would be, I mean, it, it's just, it's not an easy task, but I, I, I think you're right. I think this is the year where we start to see him take that next step in coverage. Uh, I, I said it before, I think he's the breakout star of the year for us. Um, we've been waiting for him for two years. I think this is the year where we really see it. Um, he's, he's just – he's always around the football. I mean, always around the football. Uh, he, he's – I don't know. He's just – I think he's a hell of a linebacker. And 
you're right. Like when it comes to these three, like they're just perfectly coupled together. All three of them complement each other in such a dynamic way that it's an exciting group. It's it's just a fun group to watch, and um, I really I really love Zach Cunningham. Let's get to Dylan Cole then. Dylan Cole um, hurt quite often. Bad luck, but a good. I I think this is a fair comparison. I think he's literally the in between of BMAC and Zach. I don't think he's a great. Coverage linebacker? Oh, I disagree. I think no. that no. Let me let, let me talk. Let me finish, and then you'll be able to hear my thought. Okay. Um, I don't think he's a great coverage linebacker when he's going to have to stick with the Naeem Hines, the Marlon Max, um, some of the tight ends that he may have to cover. But I think when he's dropped in a zone, I think he'll be all right. When he's playing man, that's the only time I get somewhat concerned. And I know that we have that pick um, where he was lined up. I forgot the wide receiver he was lined up on. Um, but it was down the field right on the sideline. It was just like an amazing catch. I think that was the play he actually got hurt on. It was. Um, step for step with Duke Johnson, one of the most athletic running backs in the league, one of the best pass catching in the leagues. I right. kind of but disagree. He was, running a, he was running a fly route. But yeah, right. go ahead. But I, I disagree with you a little bit on this. I think that Cunningham is better against um, tight ends, where Dylan Cole is not quite big enough to cover tight ends. But I don't think that there – I honestly will put this out there. I don't think that there's many linebackers that can cover running backs as well as Dylan Cole. If you go back mm-hmm. and you go – just go back and just watch his tape a little bit. And, I, again, I, Dylan Cole is one of my guys. I, was, I, I remember when we first signed him, there's, there is a podcast, there's audio proof of me being like, this guy's going to be a stud. Like, this guy is going to be a player. And you know how I get with my, with my guys, and he's one of them. And – I still believe – his biggest thing is staying healthy. His biggest knock coming into the league was he may have been too undersized to play linebacker the way that he does because he wasn't going to be able to stay healthy. So that has been true. But when he is out there, he is one of the best coverage linebackers that I have seen in a very long time. And I will absolutely stand by that. He does not get burnt when he's healthy. Now, maybe he tries to play hurt sometimes, and that may be what you saw that I didn't. And I will agree that there are bigger tight ends that can kind of shack him. Um, what is it, Mossum, maybe, is a better way to yeah. put it, where they just use their size and they can pick the ball over his head. But smaller linebackers, he's our guy, and that's what he's going to do. He's He is almost like a great big safety. He is what Tyron Matthew wishes he was. That's exactly what he wishes he was. Yeah. Dylan Cole can tackle. He can blitz. He can cover. Um, I, you know, and honestly, like, even with the knocks on, like, the injuries, like, what do you have, like, a broken wrist or a broken hand? A uh, broken wrist. Or arm. Yeah. I mean, that's just something that is, you know, there's nothing you can really yeah. do. Like, that, that's just going to happen. It's not like it's a hammy or anything like that. Um, no, and what I, when I say when Dylan Cole is what Tyron Matthew wishes he was, Tyron Matthew wishes he was a linebacker. That's what his skill set is ac- absolutely the best at. But just too tiny. he's too tiny to be a linebacker. He would get eaten alive. So and we've seen it. Tyron Matthew is, of course, a better safety than Dylan Cole is a linebacker. That's not what I'm trying to say. But if you take the strengths of Tyron Matthew's game and what he wishes he could do on an every down, every down, he wishes he could play a position kind of like Dylan Cole. That's what I mean. Yep. 
I would agree. I think it's a fair comparison. Um, so those three are your starting linebackers, inside linebackers. There's really – I just don't see how it could be any different. You're not going to cut a guy like Cole because 31 other teams are going to line up to take him. Um, and Zach is coming into his own. BMAC is BMAC. So I would say that those are our three inside linebackers. And then you'll have a – you know, I think Peter Columbia will – potentially be the fourth. Uh, he'll play special teams and do all the other stuff. Um, but when we get to outside linebackers, we have oh, JD. Oh, are you going to skip over Kalambay? I mean, if you want to talk about Kalambay, I just I know that he's the camp love this OTAs and everybody's talking about Kalambay, but I just think with that position group, I just don't see – like I know he can line up outside potentially. He's what – he's but, what, I mean, when we actually – Originally drafted him, we thought he was going to be an outside linebacker. Like he's right. one of those guys that I think that this goes back to roster construction. They have done a fantastic job with the linebackers. There's a lot of teams that would gladly have Peter Kalambayi as their third linebacker, their third inside linebacker, and we're going to have him as our fourth. And of course, he'll continue to be a special team special teams stud. So we should be excited about him, and he should get more than like a two second. Yeah, he's good. Let's move on. No. He got now he got now well, he got his now he got his ten seconds and I feel a little bit better. And he's he's just not going to get the snaps and well, we hope barring not. injury, like, <laughs> barring injury, like our our inside linebacking group is pretty much as good as it can get. And I just I would love to see Kalabai get a shot. I just don't see how it happens unless there's an injury. And hopefully, if that happens, he's 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 you know suits up and plays the position needed. But what I was hearing in camp was that they were playing him more outside than anything else. Okay. I mean. Uh, so if that's the case, then, you know, with him, Scarlett, Witt, JD, I mean, that would be your four outside linebackers. That's. I don't. I, that's interesting. That he they're playing him as outside. And that maybe just one of those positional versatility type things, have a guy that can do both. Um, he was drafted as an outside linebacker, but he did seem to excel as an inside linebacker last year. So we'll see. And then with the injury to Duke, I think with the injury yeah. to Duke, it kind of just put him in a position to where they're going to have to play him at outside if they want to keep him on the roster and justify his spot. He'll also play special teams, but um, – that's just kind of where I see his role. No, that makes sense. Um, and then, I mean, with outside linebackers, obviously we know JD. We've gushed about him for uh, – if I had to add up the amount of hours over the offseason, probably about a full work week. We've talked about JD and what he does. Inside linebacker, outside linebacker, defensive end, defensive tackle. I think he even had like two snaps at corner last year. Um, JD's a beast. Now, Whitney. This is an interesting conversation because Whitney prior to last season was a uh, top 25 pass rusher. I think that's fair. Top 30 maybe? No, definitely top 30. There is no argument at all. Yeah. yeah. So top 25, top 30 pass rusher. Then last season happens. He's playing a lot of zone. 
it was one of the things that was really popping out when I was watching tape last week when we were talking about the games I watched. I mean, you saw him drop into coverage. I, I didn't realize how often, because when you're watching the game, you're not really, you're not noticing all of every single position that is being played. It's just too hard. There's too much going on. But he dropped into coverage a lot. Um, and that's not a skill set. It's not what he does well. What he does well is gets after the quarterback and stops to run. And, one more than the other. He's better at getting after the quarterback. And hopefully this is a year where, like, we don't have another year like last. Hopefully they just pin Whitney's ears back and say, go after the quarterback. Because if that's the case and he's playing, you know, let's say opposite J.D. or opposite Brennan um, or Kellen Bae for the, the segment we just yeah. spoke about, that's, I think that's a preferred usage for Whitney Merciless. Correct, and let's see, last year they really played Merciless as an off-the-ball linebacker. Essentially what that means is they're asking him to patrol the middle the middle of the field more so than attacking the, the quarterback. And it's interesting because the player that should be more of the off-the-ball is McKinney. Um However, he's so good at blitzing the quarterback, he's so good at being a blitzer. Whereas like that diamond Merciless defense. was Yeah, and Merciless is better at being a pass rusher. And there's the difference is pass rushing is that's what every down your main responsibility to do is go after the quarterback. Not every down, but majority of them. Whereas a blitzer, you're you're kind of disguising what your responsibilities are. Are you coming, are you not coming type deal? And it's very, very interesting that last year the stronger pass rusher was asked to kind of give up his strength in order to allow Clowney to rush the passer more, to allow McKinney to blitz more, and to allow JJ to be JJ. This what they've asked what they've asked Merciless to do, if you get rid of Clowney Merciless is not going to move to pass rusher. He's going to still continue to do the same thing. This is the reason why Merciless and Clowney excelled so much when J.J. was out, because guess who has to be the guy that's conservative, or not necessarily conservative, but the guy that's manning the middle when J.J. goes off script? It's Merciless. Yeah, no. I'm hoping that that's not the case this season. Um you know, they hopefully could get more creative with how they deploy them. The way they fix this is actually pretty simple. You move J.J. to the inside. You line up Merciless on the outside. You play more of a traditional 4-3. You let them all attack. Uh, the fear with doing that with, uh, with Watt is with his injuries. When he's on the inside, if he's uh, essentially like a weak, a weak, size, weak side nose tackle on a 4-3, th- he's going to get banged up. They all get banged up. Yep. Nature of the position, they're trying to protect J.J. By doing so, they put Merciless in a position where he is not as successful. But we do have the personnel to run 4-3 predominantly and to run it amazingly. I mean, we could just – our 4-3 defense that we could throw out there would be would be something else, and we could do that most downs, and that could be our base. Granted, our true base for the past couple of years has been more of a 4-2 anyways, but I'm just – yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. 
I mean, the personnel is there for us to be as versatile as we want in this defense. Um, it's so funny that we hear a ton about versatility on the offensive line and not a lot of talk on the versatility aspect of the defense, but yet that's really like our most versatile um, side of the ball. But um, Yeah, and our linebacker group is really next level. That's what I'm saying. It's just our, our linebackers really are next level, inside, outside. They have done a fantastic job, and this was mainly Rick Smith that put them together of putting together that linebacking group. Yep. And that is going to be the strength of the team, and hopefully and, – and, and today's NFL, the linebackers can be the strength of the team, especially because they have enough pass rushers and enough guys that can cover short passes that they can shut down a lot of those short pass-reliant quarterbacks and schemes. However, when we talk about our, our cornerbacks – We'll get back to it. <laughs> I'm so glad we're not doing that tonight. Um, yeah, even though that would actually kind of flow pretty well. But let's get to Brennan yeah. Scarlett. Brennan Scarlett is your lunch pail guy. Do whatever you ask him to do, or he'll do whatever you ask him to do. Shown flashes at times. Uh, hasn't been consistent at outside linebacker but has been okay. He lacks the strength of a pure pass-rushing outside linebacker. Uh, good on special teams. But Not just good, amazing. No, very, very, teams. very good at special teams. Um, and he's... Don't stop selling some of these guys short, man. I just, I don't know. I, with Brennan, here's my thing with Brennan. When he came into the league, I was really, really excited about him. I really thought that there was a chance that he could turn into a player. Uh, and then he did, like, this thing on Complex. Like, he ended up being, like, an intern for Complex for a little bit. It was, like, an off-season thing. Really got to see, like, interviews of him and, and kind of who he was. And uh, really made you want to root for the player a little bit more. Um, and on special teams, he's amazing. And I guess I've just been waiting and hoping for – what we've seen on special teams to translate to also what we could potentially see on the defense. and You know, it's not going to. It's he's going to be a rotational linebacker. He's an absolute phenom on special teams. But he's the guy that you drop in and you ask him to, to, to essentially bring his lunch pill when he's playing when he's playing linebacker. He's not going to be a game changer, but he does free up and allow – Say somebody got hurt yep. and things had to get shuffled, and you could drop Scarlet in and allow Merciless to be a pass rusher. Yep. He can take the responsibilities of Clowney, but he's not going to be a game wrecker like Clowney, but he can take those responsibilities. Right. Um, you would actually have to probably use a rotation of him and Omahu. And now, I, now I'm going to turn Omenihu. all over his name, Omenihu. After I, when we were talking about him, I got his name right. No, you, you've done so. well this entire podcast. <laughs> so a rotation between the two of them to take up for Clowney, and they won't be game changers. They won't wreck the other team's game plan like Clowney does. But between the two of them, it would be passable, and they wouldn't sink the Texans' defense. Yeah. No, I mean, that's pretty much exactly what Brendan Scarlett is. Um I don't know. I mean, like I said, I just would have liked to have seen more from Red and Scarlet, but I think you're right. Like, I think we've kind of seen what, what we can expect from him. I'm not I mean, expecting him to have, like, I a mean, there's, there's got to be players like that. I mean, he there's got to be players that are out there that, you know, 
they're just fine when you ask them to play either offense or defense, but then they excel when they play defense or special teams. And that's him. He's fine. He's actually, in some ways, I'd rather have him than the Johnson Batamosi because Johnson Batamosi is a liability when he's out there on defense. Even no matter how good he is on special teams, when he's actually acting out there in the corner, it's just kind of like, uh. Whereas Scarlett, you're not going to feel like he's a liability out there. You're not going to expect a whole bunch out of him, but he's. That's He's fair. not going to be a liability. That's fair. Oh, bad mostly is definitely a liability, but we'll get to him next week. I can. I only have so much energy. There's no way I would be able to do corners. Um, all right. And you, you may get. I don't know. You may just get upset if we if we continue. Well, yeah, and then I'll end up being up all night. Um, <coughs> excuse me. All right. So there is your defensive line and linebacker position group review heading into camp, which actually starts tomorrow. Um, John, what are you expecting from Bill O'Brien tomorrow when asked about Clowney? Nothing. Uh, I'm just going to talk about the players that are here. <laughs> what do we ever expect? He doesn't. He's not going to give anything away. No, he's just gonna um, I'm more away. interested in what he says when he, they talk to him about the plans with um, – with the general manager and so forth, um, but he's even then he's not he's not giving anything. We're not away. getting anything so, out of that. Yeah, it's it is what it is. We know what to expect out of Bill. When asked about Clowney, he's going to say, "I'm going to you know I'm not worried. I'm worried about the players that are here. I'm going to talk about the players that are here. And when it comes to the the GM panel, it's going to be you know uh, leave that up to Cal. Cal's got that kind of all figured out. You know we'll operate as a team and." and play our roles as we're supposed to and make sure that we focus on winning football games because that's what you do in this league. Yeah. Something like that. And I just – and you know what? I don't care. I just want the Bill O'Brien play caller that was with the Patriots to stand the fuck up. Well, that'll be this year, buddy. Oh, man. It has to be this yeah, year. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting tired of defending him. Oh, me too. I, I really am. And the more research that I do going into the year and I look at some of the things that's out there, like – And I still believe – I and still I, believe I, that he's a good coach even if he loses his I job do. this year. Oh, I, I absolutely – And this will be the one that he learns from. Yeah. I That's what I'm afraid of because there's things – and we'll, we'll have to probably do a, a, a pre – season podcast where we kind of talk about coaching and talk about our concerns with Bill O'Brien because Bill O'Brien is a very, very smart coach. He yep. knows more football. He's probably he, he, that old saying that he's forgotten more football than we'll ever know is absolutely true with him. He's also shown in the past to be a very dynamic play caller to design offenses that really do work even though the quarterback that he had was arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. He has shown the progress that Deshaun Watson has made from year one to year two, even though the stats may not bear it out if you're just kind of glancing at them. And, again, I'll say this for the Watson cast. Like, people don't realize how good Watson really was last year. No, they don't. Right. That, that's your teaser. He was really fucking good. And he's trying a bunch of threads that support that, by the way. We've been, trying to, we've been trying to cut down about, on the cursing. I think I'm just getting tired now. But here's the preview for the Watson cast. He's really good. 
He's really, really good. And John is going to eat crow for the rest of his life when we go back to that first draft podcast that we did. I absolutely will, and I am. I have apologized every year, multiple times a year, and I will continue to do so. I was wrong. I am so glad I am wrong. Yeah. What did I, I? You also remember during that podcast when we got done, you asked me what happens if we draft Deshaun Watson. I'm like, I become his biggest cheerleader. Right. Yeah, I'll just never forget the miles per hour thing that you kept bringing up. That's the freaking greatest thing ever. Hey, man. <laughs> I'm going to listen to that podcast tomorrow. Okay. I haven't, I haven't listened to it since we recorded it. You do it. You do, uh, you, man. Wait, was that you the one? You. Was that the one with Tim? Did we ever even put that podcast out? Uh, I think we did. We had I, to. I don't think we did. I think we decided that the audio was too bad. Maybe I'll be a Patreon only. Because we were recorded uh, in your oh. uh, clubhouse at your apartment. Yep. And I, I mean, it's still on the computer. So it's I might still even be on Google Drive. Oh. So we can always throw it up as Patreon Patreon only if it's not out there. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's and great. I will, again I'll be I I will say at the very end of the podcast and I will stand by this that I hope I am wrong if we draft him and if we draft him I will be his biggest cheerleader. But I did yes I did fixate on the 49 per, miles per hour and the point that I made at the time was. It was similar to drafting a wide receiver that ran a 4-6, or I'm sorry, a 4-7 in the first round. They'd never had success. Granted, it is one metric. And I thought that Watson was not worth trading first-round picks for. Not that he was going to be a bad quarterback, because he did have a red flag. So yeah, we can get a I was wrong. Things. Remember how we were I talking about wrong. getting a soundboard? Yeah. I think we can get a lot of sound bites out of that podcast. I was very wrong. I think you even compared like him to Dak during that podcast. Uh, no, I compared him to Marcus Mariota. No, maybe it was the miles per hour that like you. Yeah, because there was a part where you were talking about Dak's miles per hour, but he had a hurt shoulder, so he's like the yeah. only one that. Existed. Yeah, he was the only. He's the only quarterback that had had a winning record with uh with under fifty five. Oh, it was under fifty. It was at 49. Both Dak and Watson had it at 49. Yeah, and then Jordan Palmer basically said that that was the dumbest thing he's ever heard. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'll let you forget about that. Hey, we've, we've grown a lot since then, okay? Really and I will be the first to admit I was wrong. No, it's okay. Multiple We're times back. a year I admit that I was wrong. We've been wrong a lot. And I have never been so happy to be wrong. No, I, I've never been so happy that you were wrong either. Um, all right. That's going to wrap up this episode of Texans Unfiltered. Um, make sure that you guys are on the lookout for our flyer for the uh, opening game event at Sigma Brewery. Uh, food brought to you by Pitmaster Barbecue. Uh, we will be there at Sigma on September 9th at 6 o'clock. John and I will be there. We have already, I think, 40 people confirmed. Uh, so there's plenty of room for everybody. Please come out. We would love to talk to you. If you see us, say what's up. You'll see me in an L.A. hat. Um, you'll see John in some sort of Houston hat. And Either Astros or Texans. If somebody yeah. will give me my Texans hat. Yeah, I got to get I John want a bet. before then. We got we got to think of something better uh, with bets. Right, hey, I'm, I'm throwing it out there for suggestions. 
Okay. Yeah, that'd be a good fantasy one. Fantasy footballers, what they do is those water bets, which is absolutely genius. Like, John, we need to comfortable. Get we need to get the fantasy football thing going. Yeah, uh, no, it's out there. Um, we're giving them to the end of the month. Um, it is there is it, the league that it currently exists is a ten-team dynasty league. If more than half the people come back to claim their team from last year, we will keep it as dynasty. If we have less than half, so less than five then we'll probably do a redraft league with the potential of turning it into a keeper league based on just, you know, input from everybody that wants to play. Uh, James com- is complaining that our even though he got second in the Dynasty le- League last year, he does not like the format because we did an auction, auction draft with, um, with individual defensive players. I thought it was fantastic. I, of course, won, so of course I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I love my team. I just don't I enjoy just, that draft. I don't want to give up my team at all, dude. What? My team's stacked. I don't even have to draft a player this year. I'll just pick my guys. I got Patty Mahomes, bro. You think I'm not? I got Hopkins. You think I want to get rid of You do have Hopkins. <laughs> Granted, I have Tyreek Hill, and if we, I'll probably trade him as soon as I can. I just don't want him on my team. I, I would never have Tyreek Hill on my team after what he it did. It makes me sick to my stomach. I can't believe you should drop yeah, him Yeah, I right can't now. drop him, but I don't want him. I don't want just him. Just drop him. Just drop them. You should drop them. If you were really about yeah. that life, about standing up for kids and broken arms, you would drop them if you had any more yeah. compass <laughs> so I can pick them up. Uh, uh, <laughs> all right, guys, you can too. follow us uh, on Twitter. We have a trophy. There's a trophy what? out there. And oh, if you win, you, of course, get interviewed on the show. Um, maybe, depending on how we get things kind of set up, we'll just do anybody that's in the league. We'll do... Uh, like the listener league interviews um, and throw them out there. So have you guest host or something? You can come in and bullshit and oh, you not necessarily fill in, in but come in and be a part of the conversation. Yes, we can take it. Or you know your chance that your chance to take over. Just take it over. Now's your turn. Um, but join yeah. the league. Find out. We'll do something fun. I promise. Last year I was going through some very very rough person a very rough personal patch. So I was not as invested in it as I should have been, and I still won. So, but, but. Yep, so John's running this entire thing. So if you guys have any questions, message John on Twitter at HoustonFBPod or hit him up in the Discord. Uh, John is in charge of the fantasy football stuff, not me. I am not in charge of the fantasy football stuff. We have clear roles, and that is John's role. Um, so hit up John. Uh, all right. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Houston FB Pod. You can find uh, this podcast on all of your podcast platforms. You name it, it's there. We're on Spotify again. That's been fixed. Uh, seems like there were some maintenance issues on their side. Um, you can just Google Texans Unfiltered. We'll pop up because we are the number one Houston Texans podcast. Uh, with that being said, I am Young Larry Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We will catch you guys next week. When they had our backs up against the wall and said that we couldn't stand the pressure, we still got it done, man. When they said the clock was winding down and it wasn't enough time to get it done, we still got it done, man. Now it's our time to shine, it's our time to keep it 100, so we don't go out here and show them how thrilled we are, baby. So you better get out the way, because we coming for it. It's all for one, and it's one for all. Let's go.